Dan, the minister here, it is so good to have you at church. Uh, there's a very old man. He was lying on his deathbed. He was dying. And in death's doorway, he, he smelled his favorite smell in the world. It was the smell of freshly cooked chuck chip cookies wafting up the stairway. And uh, he gathers his remaining strength and he lifts himself from his bed and and he can smell this, the smell. It's almost like drawing him forward. And, and he uses all of his strength to, to get himself down the stairs slowly, one step at a time. And the, the smell again is wafting from the kitchen. And he's gripping the rail. And with labored breath, he looks. And it's like heaven is laid out before him in the kitchen, tray after tray of his favorite chocolate chip cookies. And uh, he thought perhaps he'd already died and gone to heaven. Or perhaps his devoted wife was giving him one last treat before the Lord should take him home. Uh, and so he musters his strength to reach from the handle of the door into the kitchen towards the, the closest cookie. And as he is just about to reach it, the spatula hits him on the hand and she says, those are not for you, those are for the funeral. <laughs> it's good to be prepared. Um, today's sermon is all about waiting. I'm not sure the cookie story had much to do with waiting, but it was too good not to tell. Waiting is part of life sometimes, isn't it? Uh, waiting is part of life. Sometimes waiting is trivial, like waiting at the bank um, or waiting for your favorite chocolate chip cookies to cool down so you can eat them before the spatula hits you. Um, sometimes waiting is more serious, like waiting for a baby or, or waiting for a diagnosis. Sometimes it's waiting for a season in life to begin, or sometimes it's waiting for a season in life to pass. Um, waiting is part of life, and it can be a difficult part, especially when, we, when it feels like our answers, our prayers aren't being answered, and we don't know when or if they'll be answered. So as we open the Bible today and we, we see another encounter with Jesus, the question to ask is, what do we learn about waiting from these passages? Um, how can we learn to wait without losing heart? Um, so let's ask God that He would answer those questions now, as, uh, as we hear him speak through the Bible. So will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, as we open the Bible today, will you speak into our waiting? Will you help us to trust you and to see Jesus as the answer to our waiting? Help us to have an encounter with Jesus that changes the way we see the world so we can wait for him with hope. And we pray this in his saving name. Amen. Uh, well, this is the second week of our little uh, holiday mini-series called Encounters with Jesus. It's all about people who met Jesus and how their lives were changed because of it. Uh, now, most of the encounters with Jesus that we have in the Bible are Jesus as a grown-up. Jesus, during those three years when he was uh, walking and teaching and, and uh, his public ministry that culminated in his death on the cross and his resurrection to new life. But today we go back 30 years to the story uh, back 30 years to the time of Jesus' birth um, and to two people who met the baby Jesus just a month or so after he was born. Um, uh, we normally read Luke chapter 2 at Christmas time because it's a story of, um, you know, the baby being born and the angels in the sky and the shepherds and, and, and all of the hallelujahs. Um, and so you're probably pretty familiar with the beginning of Luke 2, but uh, Simeon and Anna, you might not be so familiar with. I certainly wasn't. Um, but this passage, it takes place about 40 days after Jesus was born. Um, so Mary, um, after giving birth, she had to wait 40 days before she could uh, present Jesus in the temple. That's what they'd come to do. Um, the parents would consecrate their firstborn to the Lord. 
uh, because everything, the firstborn and the first fruits, they all belong to God. And, and really what the parents would do is make a sacrifice to essentially buy back their firstborn from the Lord. You, you redeem them. You pay a price so that you can get, get to keep them yourself. And so that's what they're doing with Jesus in the temple. That's not what I want to dwell on, but we will come back to it. But what's interesting to me is the, is the two reactions of the people who meet Jesus that day, who encountered Jesus. So Simeon, first of all. Verse 25, this is Luke chapter 2. Uh, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. So Simeon, he's this devout Jewish man. He's religious. He's serious about his religion. Some people believe that Simon might have been a pri- uh, Simeon might have been a priest. But I'm, I'm pretty sure Luke would have told us that detail if it was important. Um, but he doesn't, so he's probably not. Um, what we do know about him is that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Um, what is this consolation of Israel? That's a word we don't use too much in English, at least not in this context. Um, dictionary says this about consolation. It's something that gives comfort to someone who is sad or disappointed. So, for example, we can offer words of consolation. Uh, I didn't know what to say. I just offered a few words of consolation. Um, or um, we, we might say, oh, if it's any consolation, well, you're, you're not the only one uh, he was nasty to. A little bit of comfort for people who are in a bad situation. Um, there's also consolation prizes if we don't win the main prize. And I, I kind of was wondering, is Jesus the consolation prize? You get what we get when he's not the best? Um, I don't think that's the use of consolation here. Um, it's about receiving comfort. Well, the way we use it, it's about receiving comfort when things are less than perfect. And, and that's kind of how we need to understand the words of Luke here. Simeon was waiting for this consolation of Israel. That is, along with many others, he was waiting for God to speak words of comfort to his people. Um, see, for 700 years, God's people had been under God's judgment. They'd been experiencing God's judgment. There'd been one empire after another that had come and, and conquered Israel and God's people. There was the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians and then the Greeks and then the Romans. And God's people had been trampled and, and subjugated and they'd been exiled and, and brought back and really they'd been having a terrible time. And it was because, as God said, precisely because they'd turned their backs on him. But there was a thread of Old Testament prophecy that kept their hope alive, and we read about it in Isaiah 42. See, God had promised an end to His judgment. He'd promised to restore His kingdom through a Messiah, a servant, an anointed king, this chosen one who would redeem Israel. There's that word redeem again. And so that was the consolation that Simeon was waiting for. This event heralded by prophecy some hundreds of years earlier. Um, Waiting can be hard, can't it? Imagine waiting hundreds of years, generations, for a promise to be revealed. Um, but Simeon, you see, he'd had a special word of prophecy from God. God had revealed something to him about the Messiah through the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you notice there? The Holy Spirit was on him. Three times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in these couple of verses. Verse 26, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. Just pause and think about this for a moment. Um, this verse takes place at a, it takes 
um, place at a time before the Holy Spirit was given to all believers. So at the time, most people didn't have the Holy Spirit. In fact, all through the Old Testament, very few people had had the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we mainly see the Holy Spirit at times of great spiritual movement for God's kingdom. So, for example, leaders like Joshua and Gideon and Samson, uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit as they helped to bring the people into the promised land. And then Saul and David, they were filled with the Holy Spirit as they established the kingdom of God. And then Elijah and Elisha were filled with the Spirit as they spoke words of judgment because of God's people and all the ways that they had turned their backs on God. And now we see the Holy Spirit coming again in power to reveal the next big movement of God's kingdom, and that is the birth of the Messiah, the one who would restore everything, the coming consolation for God's people. Um, and by the way, we, we don't know when the Holy Spirit revealed this to Simeon. Perhaps it had been when he was a young man. It doesn't tell us. But it feels like he's been waiting a long time, just like the people have been waiting for that prophecy to be fulfilled. And waiting for a long time can be difficult, can't it? You know, waiting years for your faith to be proven true, or waiting decades perhaps to see the fulfillment of what had been promised, holding on to hope even when things get worse and worse. Um, we can be a bit like Simeon, can't we? Um, if we're Christians, then the Holy Spirit has revealed to us the truth about the Messiah and He's promised that we'll see Jesus face to face one day on, on the day that He returns or the day that He calls us home, whichever comes first. But you might have been waiting a very long time. I don't know about you. You might have been waiting a very long time. Perhaps your faith is fading. Perhaps life has made it hard to hold on to this promise that you first heard when you were a child Perhaps disappointments have made it hard to trust in the goodness of God. Perhaps the voices of the world have made it tempting to exchange the hope of heaven for temporary pleasures. Waiting can be hard, and I feel it myself. But I want you to look to Simeon, because the Holy Spirit would reveal to him that he would get to see the Messiah before he died, and it seems like he held on to that promise, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what kept him going. And um, I was a little bit tempted to be jealous of Simeon. You know, here is this guy, he gets, he gets the Holy Spirit, and he gets this word that he's going to see the Messiah before he dies. And, and, you know, I think, wouldn't it be great if that happened to us? Well, we have got the Holy Spirit, don't we? We actually have exactly what Simeon had, and infinitely more. Uh, when we trust in Jesus, we do have the Holy Spirit with us permanently as this encourager, as this consoler in times of difficulty as this endless source of hope who connects us to God himself. Um, so we ought not to be jealous of Simeon because we have what he had and we have more. We've seen more of what Christ did than Simeon ever saw. So let's keep reading what happened next. Um, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went to the temple courts and when the parents brought the child Jesus, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Um, Simeon sees the baby Jesus, and his life is fulfilled. He's found his contentment. He's so pleased that God has kept his promise that actually he could be dismissed at that moment. He'd die happy. Isn't that wonderful? You may now dismiss your servant in peace. And maybe that's what you feel like after you eat that chocolate chip cookie. Um, dismiss me in peace. 
See, Simeon with his own eyes, he's just seen a glimpse of God's plan of salvation for his people. Seeing the baby Jesus, it's enough for Simeon. He trusts that God will do what he said he was going to do. Uh, Most likely, Simeon never saw the cross. He probably wasn't alive 33 years later to see Jesus on the cross or to see his marvelous resurrection. But he was convinced on the strength of the little that he saw of the baby Jesus, the Messiah, the center of God's plan to bring salvation for his people. And actually, that's how we all trust God, um, based on what the Holy Spirit reveals to us about Jesus. We take God at his word, and we put our faith in what we haven't seen, only what we've glimpsed. And that's how the writer to the Hebrews puts it. He says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit jealous of Simeon, just to be honest, because he did get to see the baby Jesus with his physical eyes. Kind of, can you imagine that? Like, I've seen him with my real eyes. But we all get to have our own encounter with Jesus when we meet him through the pages of the Bible and when we meet him through the eyewitness accounts that we have recorded here in the Scriptures. And when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and our minds to see Jesus as a real and living person, to see the truth about him, even when we haven't been able to see him with our physical eyes. See, God has done that work of giving faith to believers. He's done it in every generation. And if you're not sure that you have that faith, then ask God to reveal Jesus to you. Ask God to give you that faith. Ask him to show you Jesus. Because one day you will get to meet Jesus face to face. He'll be a real person. You'll be a real person in a resurrected body. And we will meet him. And on that day, he'll be revealed as the Messiah over all the Christ over all, the Lord over all. And you're going to want to be part of his royal family, his, his kingdom of followers. You'll want to be found righteous and devout like Simeon. And if you're somebody who knows Jesus, but you feel like your faith is fading, yeah, that can happen, can't it? If you're somebody who knows Jesus, but you feel like your faith is fading, can I call you to be like Simeon? Um, Look again at the baby Jesus and praise God for the salvation that comes through him. Um, That's actually what the writer to Hebrews does in Hebrews 12. He says that life is kind of like a marathon and you can get really tired going through the marathon. So keep your eyes on the finish line. He says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Keep looking to Jesus. You've been a Christian for a minute, 20 years, 30 years, 60 years. Keep looking to Jesus. You need to have encounters with Jesus to remember who he is. And that's our first encounter with Jesus for today. I'm Simeon, full of the Holy Spirit. He waits patiently to see the one whom God has promised to show him. And when he sees him at last, his life is complete and he could leave this world happy. Um, Our second encounter with Jesus is much shorter. Um, This is the reaction of Anna, the prophetess, uh, when she sees Jesus. Come to Luke 2, verse 36 with me. And this follows, of course, right after the Simeon story. Um, There also was a prophet, Anna. She was the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Um, Isn't Anna amazing? Um, 
she'd been a widow almost all of her life. She'd only uh, had a husband, lost a husband after only seven years of marriage. Now, age 84, um, how has she spent her life? Well, she has spent her life in worship of God, uh, in His presence, in the temple, fasting and praying day and night, Luke tells us. Um, Anna is quite the picture of faith, isn't she? Um, and zeal that never diminishes. I kind of want to be like Anna when I grow up, maybe when I grow old. Uh, one of my favorite books about getting old is this one here, A Good Old Age uh, by Derek Prime. Uh, it's an A to Z, a Z of loving and following the Lord Jesus in later years. Um, this, this guy, Derek Prime, is a, he's in his 80s himself, a, a former Scottish pastor, so I'm sure everything he says is fantastic um, as you listen to him. Um, uh, when you read it, though, it's fantastic too. This real practical wisdom about how to keep loving Jesus and serving Him with all of your energy, regardless of what season you're in in life, particularly in those later years. And I think that's where Anna is such an encouragement. Um, she's experienced tragedy in her life, but rather than run away from the Lord, she actually finds her solace in Him. Um, she finds a hope in God and, and in His promises. She pours out her heart to Him daily in prayer. She never stops worshipping the Lord with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And um, Derek Prime is great about this. He says, as we get older, we shouldn't lose our zeal for the Lord. He says, in old age, physical ability and mobility and opportunities to be involved in activities that have been a lifetime's delight, well, they diminish. But old age should not mean a lessening of zeal for knowing God and doing His will. So no matter what age you are today, how is your zeal for the Lord? How's your enjoyment of the Lord and how's your energy for the Lord? Um, do you need another encounter with Jesus to remember just how marvelous He is and just how wonderful and how merciful and how loving you need an encounter with Jesus where He looks deep inside your heart and asks you all of the hard questions about who you are and what you're doing with your life and how you're treating Him? Do you need another encounter with Jesus? Anna, she's such an encouragement, as I said. She, she never stops worshipping. She never stops hoping. She never stops trusting in the Lord. There's also something else she never stops doing, and it's there in verse 38. Remember, she's in the temple at the same time as Simeon and Mary and Joseph as they present um, him to the Lord. I kind of feel like it's like the Lion King. Oh. Um, that was an ad lib, let me just tell you. Anna comes up to them at that very moment and she gives thanks to God. And then she spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Anna has this encounter with Jesus and she never stops talking about it. She tells everybody that she can about this baby that she's seen, at least everybody who had the same hope for the Messiah. Do you notice um, she calls it the redemption of Jerusalem? And I don't think that's a mistake by Luke. Um, see, Mary and Joseph, they're at the temple redeeming their firstborn, the baby Jesus, with a sacrifice. And the baby Jesus himself would become a sacrifice for the redemption to redeem God's people from sin. There's a beautiful little symmetry there. And I wonder if that's maybe what she told everybody, or maybe that's just something we can see with hindsight. Don't know. Um, but come back to Anna for a moment. See, she can't stop telling people about Jesus. Um, in the verses we skipped, Simeon said that not everybody would accept Jesus and that many people would speak against him. But, but he also reminds us that Jesus 
is a light for all nations, not, not just the people of God. Jesus brings salvation and redemption to all who call on his name. And that's why Jesus himself taught us to go to the ends of the earth, speaking about him, calling people to follow him, because people everywhere need an encounter with Jesus. So how are you going and being like Anna? Do you still talk to people about Jesus? It's very important. Um, I find it hard even as a minister. And the longer we follow Jesus, the more we experience that reality that, that not everybody sees Jesus as the Savior. And sometimes that experience of negativity or hostility, it, it can make it hard. You know, we, we get a bit um, shy, we shrink back about speaking about our faith in public. Or perhaps we say, well, in my generation, faith is a private and personal thing, and so I don't really speak about it much. But that's not how Anna does things, is it? That, that's not what Anna does. She encounters Jesus and she tells everybody who will listen. Because encountering Jesus means encountering the living God, and, and it means encountering salvation. When we, when we encounter Jesus, our eyes have seen God's salvation. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a place it's not a philosophy, it's a person. God's salvation is wrapped up in a person. So it doesn't matter whether you're a good person, um, it matters whether or not you know Jesus. And for our friends, it doesn't matter if they're good people and, and you know, do a lot of community good. That doesn't matter eternally. What matters is if they've encountered Jesus and met Him and, and seen salvation through Him alone. See, Jesus is the only way to find redemption and salvation and wholeness, and healing, and, and a home with God. He's the only way for our friends and for ourselves. That's what we need. That's why we all need an encounter with Jesus. And uh, so as we go out, friends, as we go home, out to the highlands, out into Robbo, into Burrowang, wherever it is you live, I want you to hold out the hope of Jesus. Be like Anna. Never stop talking about Jesus. Because he, most, he should be the most important and most exciting thing you've seen ever. Um, we want people to know Jesus and to know salvation through him. And, and I'm going to keep talking about this week by week. Uh, because I think it's so important for all of our neighbours and our friends and our family to know Jesus. So why don't we pray that we'd do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and this encounter that we've had with him. We thank you that in Christ we find salvation, we see salvation. And for those of us who haven't seen Jesus before, help us to have our eyes opened by your Holy Spirit. For those of us who know Jesus, help us to hold him out, to share Christ in every action that we do, in every conversation that we have, and every meal that we drop at somebody's door. May we be showing the love of Christ and the salvation of Christ so that many people will come to find life in him. Father, help us to be like Simeon and Anna, to encounter Jesus and to praise you deeply. And we pray this in Christ's saving name. Amen.